I ought to be the most controversial man in Tai Chi then, Adam. <laughs> does, it, uh, does it affect you in any way? Excite you? I wouldn't call it titillating. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, do you, why do you think then that so many people have a problem with uh, Fajin, I guess, and Tai Chi and that side of the art? People like to bring everything down to their own experience and their views are formed by their experience and they can't do it or they haven't experienced it, so it must be pretend. Yeah, it's true. It's funny though, isn't it? Because if you actually look at a... Uh, it's like, if I, if I look at the, the, the people, like the different groups that we both have that we're not popular with, you could almost cross them over because people aren't so keen on the fajin that you do. So it's those kind of people. And then on my side, the ones that don't like me tend to be the scholarly ones who sort of very stick very closely to scripture and the text and things like that. And even I've had that within Tai Chi, people who are very close to the sort of the way the classics speak. But yeah, if you put them together, the classics actually talk about Fajin should be an aspect of Tai Chi and this is how the internal art should work. It's because scholars don't have proper experience and neither do meatheads. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not a scholar, so I can't interpret the Chinese, but yes. I think that the texts are confirmatory. You can't know what they mean until you can do it. So they can't do it, therefore they can't <laughs> know what it means, the end. That's true. I think on the other, the other side of it as well, as I always think it's strange, you know, like some grand master gets to the end of their life, whether it's Tai Chi, whether it's alchemy, meditation, Qigong, Chinese medicine, whatever, who cares? They get to the end of their life and on their deathbed with their disciples around them, they write down their final words and what they say is, Tony Waste, hold your center line. <laughs> Step forward. It's like you would, you would hope that the grandmaster left something a little bit more esoteric than could be passed on in the most basic of the classes, right? I mean, I think there's something just wrong with the whole culture of sort of obsession with lineage and the master holding this or that. And yeah, I mean, lots of old people that have done something their whole life still don't understand it. Yes. And maybe someone learnt from somebody amazing and it doesn't mean anything. Maybe all <laughs> they have is the name of the person they learnt from. Yeah. And then somebody else has the talent and ability to work something out and they can do it. So, you know, many of these grandmasters probably weren't really. Yeah. And some were, and I'm sure they left much more interesting teachings. It's, it's the same with alchemy. Some of the, the writings that we follow quite closely in, in alchemy and Taoism, when you actually look at the accomplishments of the people that wrote them, it's heresy to say so, but it doesn't really sound like they were like, like there's no great story of them achieving much. Yeah, because they weren't writing what the scholars were doing. They were <laughs> writing and the practitioners were too busy practicing. It's long been that battle between the scholar and the practitioner, right? Yeah. I mean, you can be both, but it's not normal, not usual. No, I when, I, when I was training in Ajahn Chah's temples, people, when they would do a work day and let's say paint, doing some painting or something, there'd be newspaper lying on the floor. Yeah. They'd look down and try and read because that was how deprived of reading and oh, kind of intellectual activity they were, that they were drawn even to that okay. because it's such a practice, practice method. Yes. Like the forest method is the practice method, no scholarly input. Yeah. So that affected the way I sort of treat everything. Yeah. Whether it's for the worse or the better, I don't know, but it is what it is. I think I had the same philosophy to give it to be a, not by any monk or traditionally but by my dad very early on as well it was like if you can't if you don't understand it son just keep going just keep doing and I guess in some ways it was easier because it was uh, pre-internet 
So it was actually quite hard there to get hold no of There was no information. Yeah, yeah, it was quite tricky, yeah. yeah. Now information's everywhere and understanding's nowhere. Sadly, it seems like that's the case. Yeah. The time of misinformation. <laughs> I know a government body that can help with that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Fact-checked. I think that'd be good if Tai Chi Post came with a fact check. Maybe I should start one. <laughs> I think it's called the Fajim Project. Yeah, well, that's, if apparently that you have to be uh, denying truth to, to be a fact checker, so there they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's been a good month, man, having you here. Uh, I agree. Here in Bali. I'm glad you came to see. Well, you're the first person, actually, inside the new podcast studio. And oh, no, no, second, second, I apologize. But the first one to come into the school and kind of see it. And, and it's cool, it's really great. Yeah, it's been a strange retreat. We came here to practice, but then we've had a building site around us at the same time. Yeah, it's just it, it reminded me, actually, of uh, all the early retreats I did in Asia, first coming out there. You came to Asia younger than me, I think. How old were you when you came to Asia? Gee, I don't know. I must have been 17 or 18 or something. 18. I yeah. I was, I was quite a few years yeah. after you, maybe but six or seven years it, after. It reminds you because it's noisy and Asia is so noisy. And in the fantasy, you think of peaceful, meditative Asia, but no. Yeah. It's noisy. First place I ever did a retreat uh, with a teacher, first time we came to Asia, they did it above a karaoke bar. And uh, so, yeah, I had all these visions of mysticism and quietness, but I had Chinese people sinking John Denver country roads underneath the building <laughs> while I was doing it, which was really cool. It's very hard to find quiet. Asia is the noisiest place on earth. It's, it's crazy. And then you realize why they valued stillness. Yeah, well, you, so have much to, you have to cultivate it. Yeah. When I'm trying to film uh, videos for the program or whatever, when I'm in Asia for six months, you can't find it. There's no quiet. You're more professional than me. I gave up. I just leave the noise in the background. <laughs> I think it's there for mine too. I don't know. I never listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, the amount of times I'm trying to explain something, there's a motorbike going past. Those retreats are good though, I think. I think that, you know, <clears throat> to have a completely silent retreat for meditation is not always the best environment to practice in any way calm and entry if the conditions are perfect or something like that. Yeah. Which means you can't take it off the mat. Sound is not disturbing you, you're disturbing the sound, right? Okay. Explain that a bit. Well, you're in the way. Okay, yeah. As in your reaction to the sound, okay. you know, if you're more transparent about it, more empty, it's a non-issue. It is quite a basic how after a while you just learn to ignore it. Now, I remember being really... Uh, impressed at the Asianers when I first came here like I just used to get really frustrated on the earliest retreats just really annoyed and, and everyone sat there but but then on the other hand I also thought they were deep in meditative states and, and then you realized they were asleep <laughs> they were asleep or the illusion was shattered the first time a Chinese monk answered his telephone halfway through a meditation class <laughs> can't talk I'm in meditation <laughs> which actually made me laugh it kind of cracked me off in the middle of the hall once again, the experience forms the view, Yeah, <laughs> not the books. <laughs> your meditation, you did. I'm very interested in it, like your practice out here. Because chatting with you, you were involved in the forest tradition. Up in Chiang Mai, most of you were, right? Or It was mainly in uh, the northeast. Yeah. Like, like Isan? Isan. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. okay. No, it's brutal up there. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> and the, the monastery... 
In what way? Just that uh, steel. Okay. Hardly any sleep, hardly any food, long hours, no, barely any interaction, you know, just yes. the dutanga, like the ascetic sort of, okay. the ascetic rules of Buddhism, which are like extra on top of the standard protocol, are practiced in those traditions a lot. Yeah. Uh, I liked it when I was young, for sure. It was great. <laughs> I mean, it formed, it formed me. Okay, sure. These days, I wouldn't like it as much, sleeping on the floor and, you know, three hours a night, that kind of thing. I'd be yeah. more worn down. But when you're young and energetic, you can endure more. Mm -hmm. And I think you should when you're young and, yeah, build more of a foundation. There are some things you just can't do when you're older. That's very true. It's very difficult when people come slightly older into the practices. Because what are we, like 40, 42, 43? 44, like I am. 44, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm 42. And... I was thinking if I started out in martial arts or meditation or even Nagong now, it would be very difficult to do that training. Yeah. I mean, even getting you your, do it, your legs and your spine just ready even to sit. Mm. I mean, it was tough then. Yes. It was really hard for me. It was really painful. But, I mean, if you hadn't trained for decades and you're in your mid-40s, it'd be yeah, tough. Yeah, yeah. You fix quicker as well. When you're young. You well, luckily, <laughs> otherwise yeah, yeah. I'd be dead, I think. Yeah, totally. <laughs> In martial arts as well. The injuries used to heal so quick. You'd be like, oh, I fucked up my knee. And then like three days later, it's okay. Yeah. These days I sleep funny and I'm crippled for a week. Yeah, yeah. You fall off the pillow and it's mm -hmm. all over. Yeah. It, it was like, uh, I think that my training was a little different because I used to very much go and get tuition from teachers. Stay with them just like uh, two weeks, three weeks, something like that. 21 days is quite a common thing in Taoism. They mm. like to do chunks of things in yeah. our, for 21 right. days. Yeah, that worked for me. That was quite good. But then all my practice, uh, after that, I would go away and then work on my own sort of solo outside of the temples and outside of the schools and come back for more tuition and then go away. And I got used to working that way. I think it was good for me because it stopped me being so dependent on having somebody give me a time, give me yeah. a schedule, give me a routine. I learned to practice on my own, which I think a lot of people struggle with. Well, they go, especially if they go to these kind of organized retreats and like stuff like that. Going like a going to retreat, okay. which I've never done that kind of thing. But mm. in the monasteries I was in, there was no, I mean, there was the morning chant. Yeah. At, I guess it was 3.30 or something <laughs> like that. Even that sounds horrendous. And, uh, and then there was the nighttime chant and the meal. But there was no, okay, you're meditating now, practicing now. You were left alone in solitude for sure. 20 hours a day or something like that. Nah, it's a lot better. Yeah, well, it, it's a lot better. You become self-sufficient, I guess. Yeah. And it doesn't work if you're not. It might work for a little while, but it's false. You're just getting carried. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, I don't know if you've seen this. Maybe you would agree or not agree. Because I always think with the, say you've got a tradition, whatever it is. Say you've got meditation or, or maybe something bigger, wider, like Taoism or Buddhism. I always think you've got two kinds of practitioners. You've got the one that's in the heart of the tradition that's following the route step by step by step. You know, it's very prescribed for them. And they're the kind that might have the timetable on the retreat and things. And then you've got the people on the edge, the kind of loose cannons, the ones that are sort of one foot in, one foot out of the tradition, if you get what I mean. But I always think the difference between them is that the ones in the tradition that conform very much to the timetable and the exercise, you've got to do this. The positive for them is they get more support. The negative is I think they glass ceiling, like mm -hmm. earlier in what they do. Whereas the people that learn to be self-supported, self-sufficient, self, uh, self, uh, self sorry, 
on the edge of the tradition, the downside is you're more, you don't have the sports, so you're more likely to fail. But the plus side is there's a higher chance that like, you can go further. Do you know what I mean? It's like a gamble to do things your own way. You can more likely to. I think level. you can go further just because you're on the edge or even outside. Yeah. If you're in the dogma, you're trapped by the dogma. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all these traditions carry methods, right? Mm hmm. And, uh, they carried methods which produce results, and then the tradition gets it grows up around the fact that it's been producing results. Yeah. So you get the outer shell. Okay. So they stick to the outer shell so much, and you know they're spending a lot of time and, and mental effort and everything and discipline to stick to the outer shell. Yes. And maybe not as much on the inner method, and it's sort of all programmed about the way things are going to go and everything. I, I think you need some kind of modicum of stepping out to, yeah. to go far beyond that glass ceiling. I think it's not like you ever hear of any of the sort of really high level saints, sages, immortals, Buddhas, whatever that were in the tradition in that way, whether they were always the people on the outside. Outcasts, outcasts. people doing their own new way or breaking tradition or just not part of it. Yeah, that's because yeah. you've been in Ubud for a month now. <laughs> <laughs> that philosophy's starting I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, having spent many years around uh, Taoism, it's definitely the case. Like it, it's to talk about results is actually seen as negative. Like if you ever, like in Taoism, if I ever ask a teacher, can you do this or can you do that or da 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 da, it's almost like you, you drop the C word or something or you said something really highly offensive and you're always told, don't strive, don't strive for such things, just da 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 da. It's like they encourage you into mediocrity so they don't have to prove that anything has actually been achieved. Oh, so that's perfect for modern culture. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, I just went to Bhutan to look at the uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vajrayana tradition. And yeah. Do you have anything to say on the Vajrayana tradition? No, I'm not an expert, but uh, I mean, I've been around it a bit. Yeah. I've never met anyone that's uh, sparked me enough in no. it. Maybe no. there are people, maybe there aren't. I mean, the methods are... I think they'll be lost, honestly. I don't mean that they didn't have the stuff. Yeah. I'm sure they did. Yeah. I just think that a lot of what was actual method, real method, has now become imagining the result. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, sure. you know, maybe they were moving the drops and bringing the channels together or doing this or doing that. And yep. then they have a text, you know, and the text says, oh, this descends, this rises, this happens, you achieve emptiness and bliss. So then they imagine it happening and pretend to have emptiness and bliss. Yeah. So it's because the, the text was describing what happens. And there's some of the how-to that was obviously oral. Yes. Maybe it's lost and it's just been sort of handed on and they all worship the text and repeat the same text, you know, like yeah, for yeah. conveyor belt or something. And so they imagine it happening and that's what I see. That was my thought. It felt like... Uh, being amongst, you know, and I'm sure it's not the whole of tradition, it's just no. a, a slice of it I saw. But it felt that's what it felt like. It felt like a bunch of guys in a historical society, more yeah. than anything else, you know. They were getting together to... It's obsession with lineage and tradition, right? No stepping out, no doing your own yep. way, no striving yep. to actually realize just this is what the word says, yep. it says this, don't, don't, don't. And it's, it's monotonous, you know. Yeah. Taoism is... I don't know if it's worse, but it's very similar. Especially, I think, with Chinese traditions have that tendency to look back rather than forwards. 
which has its strengths, but yeah, you know, like you can't was, look back though. Why? Well, they're not looking back. They're imagining back mm -hmm. because they weren't <laughs> there, or at least in this present cycle, they weren't there. So they're yes. they're only imagining what they think it means back then. Yeah, they're not looking. True. I mean, some people that are highly attained, of course, can look back, and I think that's one way to uh, rejuvenate methods. That's actually how forest restriction came about. Is it? Yeah. Okay. But, uh, can you talk about that? Well, basically, achieving enough samadhi to get a lot of divine eye and seeing how the Buddha taught and what the methods were, and then right. the blooming of the forest tradition out of the dogmatic counterculture to that, oh, okay. to try and return it to the traditional ways according amongst the claimed this is what the Buddha was doing and they could see it psychically, that kind of thing. Yeah. The mavericks, once again. Yeah, it's always, the, it's always that, right? And I'm sure they were well hated in their time. I'm sure, yeah. It's, I think that uh, that pattern is what I've seen from the very, very few, I don't know if your experience is the same as mine, maybe a bit more, but very few true masters of these arts that I've met in many, many years. Very, 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 yeah, very few. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> infinitesimally small, right? Well, people use the word master to mean old, somebody old, or somebody that's good at something. I've met lots of old people. Same, and lots of people that are good at something. Yes. Like maybe they're good at fighting, or good at a certain form or something, but that's yes. not a master the way I use the word. No, no, I mean a, a master is to someone to fully realize the full potential of their spiritual path and it's, understand the nature of reality. They're self-realized completely, and, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. But the ones I've met, of which tiny number, None of them existed inside lineages. That's the funny thing. They all had a history of being in a lineage at some stage. They'd had connection to it, but none of them lived in that tradition now. And one in particular that you know, was very important to me is very anti-lineage, anti-tradition. Yeah. Certainly their current state believes them all to be lost in dogma and stuck yeah. and stagnant. And yeah. that's had a massive influence upon me because I think prior to meeting that person, I think I was caught up in that as well to a certain extent, very black and white, like that has to be done this way. And with our experiences, it, our views are shaped. I've completely. met somebody that I consider a master who's in a tradition. Okay. But not when you're, when I'm alone with him, he's not in the tradition. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like what they say for the masses and to keep the tradition healthy and not cause a schism is one sort of strata of, <laughs> of talk. And then behind closed doors, it's half the things they would say would be considered a blasphemy by the scholars and the sort of dogmatists sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's that thing, isn't it? It's like, there's that idea people don't like, because what you're describing there to me, if I were to look at it in its most negative or positive light, depending how I look at it, would be elitism, right? Existing within the traditions. Yeah, it is. There's, you know, well, we are the supreme vehicle and you are the lower vehicle. <laughs> I heard a lot of that. Or, you know, we achieve and you only achieve freedom and not the yeah. powers or yeah, sure. whatever. That was the funny thing in Bhutan. Having never really been around Vajrayana people much, it was like every, every talk started with much veneration to the ones who came before us, blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing was, and this is the highest vehicle, and there's no point going anywhere else, and no one will ever achieve anything unless you do this. And if you say the name of the Buddha, you're guaranteed to be enlightened in X amount of lifetimes. Or, <laughs> That's awesome. It was, it reminded me almost of being like a, yeah. one of those American <laughs> self-help coaching course where they're selling you the next course. <laughs> Had a similar kind of vibe to it. Collect the next one. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was the other thing, man. It felt like like, this is a dumbass's view of the Vajrayana 
know, because I think I understand Taoism quite well. I understand some of the Buddhism. Buddhism, I'm, I'm quite these days. But Bajaran, I felt a little bit like collecting Pokemon. Yeah, go to catch them all. You've got to go to every temple to get every blessing. You did the pilgrimage, and I got to fit five temples in. Do we for the, five minutes a day, too? Well, they close at 8 p.m., so I've got to fit these temples in so I can collect this uh, initiation from this disciple. So, and even by their own admittance, the people that really got it did something simple in the cave for 20 years. Mm. They were cave-dwelling. Yogi's not really yeah. involved in the... Yeah. Once again, they were, they were the fringe dwellers, you know? They weren't doing a million Pokemons. The loose cannons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, I guess they're, you need a spark, don't you? They have to have some spark. If you're just sort of off the conveyor belt, like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not awake and it's not alive and there's no fire. There's, yes. Yeah, I think that happens in all the traditions. It's just, um, it's extremely formalized. And, yeah, sure. You know, like if you, you read one text, you've read them all, you know, they're all the same. No one ever says to speak out, no one's different, it's sort of just the downfall of lineage. <laughs> the downfall of lineage. Yeah. It's, it's dogmatic attachment to what was before. In Tai Chi and like they were amazing back then, or maybe. Not from what I saw. Right, like okay, it's not right. hundreds, but from black and white photos yep. from right. the yep. what's that, fifties, yeah, sixties, yeah, they look awesome to me. Yep, they look tough. Yeah, they look tough. But no, well, life was tough. Technically, they don't look awesome because once again, you won't. Know, so your fantasy about it is always going to be something else, and no one can ever be good. And then if you do something that is in alignment with uh, what the stories about the old stories are, you're fake. But they were amazing back then because of the stories, but then if you do it now, you're definitely fake. So, you know, it's a kind of mental illness, I guess. Yeah. And I said another thing that I came... You've always been in the Chinese arts, right? Apart from when you were really little, I think, martial arts. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I did yeah. a little bit when I was young of Japanese stuff, but not serious. So I came from Japanese arts to Chinese arts. Yeah. And it, Hard workers to Japanese. It, it was good. It was good. Lots of discipline, for sure. And that was a real change when I came across to Tai Chi. I went from formally standing in class militaristic style to we're going to stop for tea and have a tea yeah. break. <laughs> well, my upbringing in, in the Chinese arts was not like that. It was run like a Japanese military style school. You did sure. external Chinese arts first as well, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. yeah. It was very, very militant and hard. Yeah. The other thing I saw was in the Japanese arts, I almost think, I don't know about Australia, but in Europe, uh, maybe because we didn't have much of a Chinese immigration compared to places like America. Japanese arts were always a little bit in front of Chinese arts with regards to the politics. So, for example, in the 80s, there was a real Japanese culture worship in the Japanese arts. So if you're white, you're always shit compared to a Japanese person, even if you were... It doesn't matter. You, you're never did, as good as a Japanese. They, they probably still think that. No, it changed. In Tai Chi, they still think that. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. It's, that's how far behind right, the Chinese that's why arts are. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the Japanese arts, you, they kind of moved away from that a bit, and you started to get uh, foreigners being heads of organizations, and, and a kind of start of, there's always Japophiles, but a start of a moving away from that. But the Chinese arts hasn't gone through that. In my old Kung Fu school that I came up in, they, the Chinese Sifu definitely didn't think that. He said the white, white people are better. He so, said, you're bigger, you're tougher, you're stronger, and you work at least as hard. You've got a, yeah, an advantage. So I've seen you do something in a video 
and then I've seen a Chinese person do the same thing in video, people will dislike yours, but <laughs> think, that one, <laughs> think that one's okay. And they come I need up, plastic surgery. <laughs> well, Asia's a place to get it, it's cheap. <laughs> but I, they, they can't see the disparity between the two. They don't get it. You they know, can't see it. A lot of the little Asian girls, they get like this, they get their eyelids cut to get double, uh, double eyelids, like to get Western yep. eyelids. Yep. I need to get a single eyelid surgery and then boom, my school will be huge. Sure, that could be arranged. <laughs> That's what it's <laughs> Chinese arts, like, you know, Taoism, especially like the Taoist arts, the, the amount of attempts to look Chinese that people do, growing their hair cosplay. so they can put a yeah, cosplay. The, the top knot, <laughs> yeah, complete another cosplay. <laughs> Sometimes I go to. Taoist schools or Tai Chi schools. I shouldn't say Taoist because people do Taoist Tai Chi. We're not really doing Taoism, are they? Like it's a separate thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, they, and you go in and it would it would feel like I'm a, a comic con convention. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I I go in and I'm thinking, oh fuck, I need to grow my hair. I fucking know. I've got like <laughs> the problem with my hair is if I grow it, it comes out a weird angle, sort of like some kind of mad ayahuasca induced shaman. So I can't grow my hair long. But they'd all do that, and I think, oh, I got to look the part because it's comic con. And then you get to know the people and you realize actually it's the same people who yeah, go no. to Comic Con as well. It's, no, it's, it's not just, yeah, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It's a word that needs to come back, you know. No, I tell you all the time. It's the perfect description. Yeah, but it makes you sound like the school bully. It's all the nerds and then they get angry. <laughs> well, these days, nerds, which is uh, there's so much power, in my opinion, because people that are sort of, let's say, not naturally powerful. Yep. Are more prone to abusing power. That's very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can see that within uh, Qigong, Tai Chi, yoga schools when somebody who was born with no power in a position within suddenly gets a modicum of power. Mm -hmm. It's not real power, is it, running a class, but 20 people looking at them all of a no, sudden? No, but to them it is because they have no innate power. Completely. So it's, it's that, yeah. And out comes the abuse. How yeah. comes all of the twisted power issues and, you know, I lived on Copenhagen, which I'm sure you're familiar with a large group there that was yeah. very prevalent with that kind of abuse of the, the scene in that area. Yep. That's a major problem. It's like you have to, in order to be safe, if you want a better word, you have to come to terms with all of those issues long before you're put in that position of being in power, right? Yeah, and I think I, if you work really hard and suffer for a long time, that's helpful. Yeah. Because it builds you up and you become robust and able to endure and you build power before other people kind of give you. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But if you're not powerful, you've never built power, you haven't earned power, you're just a coward weakling and then suddenly you get all this control over people, they abuse it every time. And deep down, they're always the bullied little kid or something like that. And it makes them, you know, uh, abuse it. Younger guys. Well, they're probably younger guys that are, didn't have enough power. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I often, it's going to sound horrible, but it's true. There are often guys that didn't have a strong father figure. I was about well. to say exactly the same thing. They yeah. weren't taught how to be a man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, horrible or not, it's statistically a fact that most of the unpleasant behavior yes. committed by men in the world is because they didn't get taught how to be one. And let's face it, a woman can't teach you how to be a man. No. 
And I, I'm happy to say I shirk the responsibility of the martial arts teacher telling you how to be a man as well, unfortunately. So I can't help people through that developmental that phase. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's when I started teaching how many things you would be expected to be. Everything from the therapist, the healer, the life coach, the bank account. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I'm definitely the bank account. There's <laughs> <laughs> some expectations on you when you teach that I didn't think would be here. You found the same? Oh, absolutely. It's like you're trying to teach the art, yeah. and hopefully the art generates qualities within the students. Yeah. yeah. That's not the same thing as you telling them how to do the other parts of life. Yeah. The art's meant to build the qualities and yeah. the hard work and everything's meant to build the, the yes. juice and everything and the resistance inside you so that, you know, hopefully you you can carry it off the mat or out of the training yes. room or whatever. Yeah, completely. But if you don't suffer in the practice, I don't think that happens. Yeah. I think the Japanese styles are better for that actually. Not the style, the the culture of yeah. the schools. The way they run it. Yeah. It was definitely a more uncomfortable experience than, than, okay, I guess it was a bit later than the, sounds like yours was a little different, but often the external Chinese martial arts schools I went to were not as uncomfortable as the Japanese training. Oh, mine was at least as bad as the Japanese school. Very yeah, bad. Your school in Australia even had a reputation around the world. I'd heard yeah. of that school yeah, that you were in. It's bad. Even though it was on the other side of the planet, over where we sent all you prison types. <laughs> well, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd never... But I'd I would never have it no other way. Even though I think most of it's unskillful, and I, in the end I left because I knew I wasn't going anywhere good and all that, but uh, it's what I did. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you don't develop the will. Like, yeah. I, I learned how to train, even though I don't use any of that art at all. Yeah, sure. How to... Self-discipline, how to endure, you know, how to focus, how to, well, how to train. Exactly. Which I've never learned how to train in the Chinese, like in the internal arts no. at all. No. And I actually think the internal arts are way more painful than external arts if you do them properly. It's a different kind of pain though, isn't it? It's a, like a different layer. It's different. It's, and the real yeah. difference in my opinion is when you're doing an external art and you're going really hard. Mm -hmm. And we train hard, you know, you Everyone was injured, there's blood, there's bruises, yep. people vomit from pain all the time. It's yep. tough. Uh, because you're kind of external, yep. meaning that your attention is on your opponent, Yes. Uh, you don't experience suffering in the same way as when you're internalized and your attention's saturating the body. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And when you're super present and internalized yes. and you're also in pain, you can't escape it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, your aggression and your forward drive and like the fighting spirit, it switches off the pain. Yeah. yeah but when, totally, yeah. you can't do that in the internal arts. You, no. you can't go there. You have to stay in a certain state. So, yeah, the pain, it might not be more if you could measure it in units, but yeah. it's experientially more confronting. I always used to think as well, external pain, external martial arts pain is kind of pain. You can rub it and then kind of move on. Internal martial arts pain, you rub it and it doesn't make any difference because it's like right down near the bone and you still feel that pain. It's not the going body away. transforming later on, you know. It's not going away. Mm -mm. It's keeping you up, you can't sleep. Oh, yeah. And it always, uh, in the morning when you get out of bed, I remember... Hit by a truck. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you were developing the legs and the choir. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> developing the legs and the choir is like, like growing pains when you're a kid, mm. but on steroids and all the time. I remember them explaining to, Matt, to me when I first moved into Chinese arts and doing Tai Chi. At first, I just did it like 
you know, the arts had done before. So they're all like leg pain, leg pain. I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, my Bone thighs pain. and calves a bit. Yeah, and it took about three months or something before I felt it. And it's yeah. like, okay, right, yeah, yeah I hurt to the bone. Yeah, this yeah. is uncomfortable, yeah. Wang says if you, uh, if you can sleep at night, you're not training properly. And that was definitely my experience for the first yeah, 10 yeah. years or whatever. Yeah. My mistake cases. You can't. If I had to use the you stairs, use stairs off the cross. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a magic ability. That's a city. <laughs> yeah. Climb up the rail. Then it changes. I mean, these days, my training, body's all right. can do that kind of work. But uh, it's just like, how do you hurt the level of chi, but you do? Yeah. Like the pain is, you can't even realize where it is anymore. The localization of it. People are like, where do you hurt? And I'm like, uh... In my here? being? <laughs> here. <laughs> here. Out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a funny thing. Yeah, I mean, you can't rationalize or talk about these things for, in a meaningful way with no. people that don't have the experience. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. No. Which the medium of uh, Facebook is an example of that. It doesn't really work for that. Yeah. Trying to explain the concept of the sort of later stages of development or intermediate, I don't even think I'm at the later stages of it, but intermediate. Relatively later to the people you're talking to. Yes. And you can't. We can't put it into words. How do you explain that kind of change and that kind of discomfort and that kind of process that you're trying to take someone through? Yeah, I mean, no. the stories and the classics—they're literal. Yeah, they're literal. Yep. All of those things are real. People think the Chinese speak completely in metaphors. No, no. no I know. I find them to be. It's very all literal. extremely literal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why they think chi is something isn't a thing like oh chi is the nervous system or yeah or whatever it's like yeah like you know we were talking about it the other day they they knew there was a nervous system they knew that they had arms and legs and blood and breath oh chi is breath right yep. okay they didn't know you were breathing they were really it's so arrogant you know? yeah it's it's that arrogance carries over crazy. into all of these things isn't it like that uh, we understand now because of our intelligent filters and it's it's that thing. It's almost what you were saying before about the, the people going away to train for 20 years. It's like, how can I understand in five minutes now. through reading on ah. a book or Facebook what someone spending 60 years in the mountains in self-isolation, analyzing themselves to understand? Were they you, analyzing their nerves and their breath? You're going to trigger me. <laughs> if anyone that ever been, has trained with me knows that I will rant for an hour a day about you can't understand you don't understand, you will never work it out. <laughs> Please wrap <write. laughs> Yeah. You do, and then even after you get it, you still don't understand. And then yeah, you do yeah. for a long time, and then maybe you get the right feeling. Yeah. Then you do for a lot time longer, and then you have insight and understanding. You don't understand, then create the feeling, and then do. Yeah. It's the opposite. But everyone goes, I'm smart, I believe in science. So if I understand first, I can imagine and fabricate the feeling and then I'll get the result. No. Yeah. No. The opposite. You just do almost blindly. You follow the causes as instructed, hopefully, by yeah. a competent teacher. And over a long period of time, you get skill and after skill, you get understanding, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kung Fu. Completely. Yeah. Shift skill, understanding, technique to an ingrained quality, and uh, yeah, it transforms yeah. you. Is what I usually yeah. say. It, it becomes. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. It's not how you do it. It's who's doing it. It has to change you. It's a transformation. It's you. Yes, you change, and then you know, not before. And I think that the reason 
amongst many, but one of the main reasons why people don't succeed in these arts at all is they want to understand first and do later. Yep. So they're asking all these questions on the imaginary ideas about what they think something is going to be, which of course their reference is wrong, right? Yeah. Their, their point of reference is imagined. Yeah, completely. They're not there. Yes. So it's just, uh, and you know, I'll lecture on it for an hour and then someone's next question will be <laughs> the same again. It's like, uh, yeah. okay, just stand for hours. I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel your pain. Understanding comes from doing. Yes. Over a long period of time, yeah. Do you think non-OCD people can achieve in these arts? I hope not, because that gives me an excuse to be OCD. <laughs> you have to have obsession. And regular, aka compulsively. Yeah. I mean, my training is really just an outlet for my mental illness, I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any, what I would call, what's mentally stable? Well, stable, well can, you can same. be stably in the state. It doesn't... Yeah. Stable just means consistent. I'd say you're consistent. I guess what I'm saying is you, I can't think of anyone who has a standardized, normal way of thinking that does very well in these arts. Who does very well in many things in life, but particularly these arts. Exactly, because normality has to be mediocrity. Right? Yeah, that's it. By the definition of how we live, most people have to be mediocre at what they do. Yeah. Whether we want to accept that or not. Well, they don't just have to be, they want to be. They want to be, do you think? People fear not being mediocre. People fear being judged, the spotlight. They fear. People say people fear success. I don't get that really, but they do. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think they fear criticism well, because it brings back all the memories when they were criticized as a child. Well, then definitely don't do fudging. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is, this is uh, I mean, this is funny. <laughs> How long ago did I meet you? Seven or eight years ago or something like uh, that? I have no idea, but yeah. Whatever. Something like that. Maybe less than that, but yeah, years. Uh, yeah, and the thing Maybe that... Six, uh, more like six years, I think. I hope you don't mind me saying, but the thing that struck me when I met you is even, even seven or eight years ago, before, I knew who you were before I met you. And then when I met you, just because I seen you online, and yeah. blah, 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 is I was already aware of just how much abuse you get online. I'm underneath. the king of being abused. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a talent. <laughs> but I, I was very surprised how... Um, yeah, it didn't, didn't shake you at all. No. Like, it doesn't bother you at all, right? No. no it was right. very impressive. And I, there's been a couple of periods when I've seen people say things, and I, I see the usual stuff. Adams, blah, 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 blah. Whatever, okay. But then sometimes it's something very personal, just very cruel. offensive. Just cruel. Yeah, cruel. That's the definition. Cruelty. It's yeah. no longer critique. It's cruelty. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't faze you. Well, that's, it, it shines on them. It shines the light upon them, doesn't it? Yeah. Also, I mean, if you criticized me, I, I would feel it. Okay. And there are a few other people, not many, yeah, less yeah. than a handful, less than I could count on one hand, that it would matter to me. So people often write to me and say, it's amazing the way you're so thick-skinned. Yep, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'm not thick-skinned. I don't care what they think. Yeah. They, I, there are people that I really care what they think. Yes. And whatever they say will hit me very hard. And there are people that don't know me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know me. Exactly. I came to similar conclusions because since I've known you, my hate has gone up, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's somewhat <laughs> for me. <laughs> I think tarred with the same brush, I yeah. think, is sometimes I think, yeah, yeah. So Guilty by association. So, yeah, that has happened. 
and I came to similar conclusions was I think at first it was uh, certainly moving into well within our very niche field slightly more into the public eye I remember like oh my god wow these these people really don't like me and then after a few oh, weeks, no, it's just Adam <laughs> yeah, it's just Adam. <laughs> well sometimes they get us mixed up actually yeah sometimes they say things actually I think hang on Adam did that not me <laughs> but I, yeah I came to the conclusion that I started actually looking at what they were doing you know, especially with social media now, you can click and look, oh, right, that's what they're doing. And like, oh, yeah, okay, and yeah, your opinion isn't valid. No. You know, and, and yeah, that's how I came to terms with it as well. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, exactly. If anyone that I ever feel was really, okay, that person really knows what they're doing, yeah. yourself, or certainly my teacher. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah, it would be crashing. It would be, yeah, completely. Yeah. That would be a very, very different thing. That's I why would, I mean it's not thick skin. It's yeah, which opinions matter. I, yeah, I mean, but I sometimes think I'm lucky that the internet only really came around when I was already kind of established in what I was doing as well. Yeah, like, I think the same for you. Well, we're, our timeline are almost identical. I think we opened yeah, our school yeah. the same year. Pretty much. It's 20 years this yep. next year, right? I know. Yeah. Something like that. I think we're, no wonder we're old. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think we, have a, we had kind of parallel lives in many ways, including yeah. the timing of the schools and stuff like that. You just have better weather because you grew up in Australia. Not Maybe just Australia. I've, I've sort of always been in a perpetual summer my whole life. Yeah. Well, feel for me. I had to do my training in rain, grey, snow and sludge. Oh, that's fine. It's one full of damp. <laughs> I'm going to have a coconut water and a snooze on the hammock. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. I, but did you know, like... I think it was about 24, 25 when the internet really started to, maybe a bit older, 25, 20, something like that. I whatever. guess it was, yeah. And I always think that many of my formative years in martial arts were already kind of done by then. Oh, so they were definitely pretty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. The internet existed, I guess, but not for us. Wow. It was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You had to, <laughs> yeah. I think how difficult would that have been for that to exist while I was making all my mistakes and, you know, being shit and really bad, like all those formative years, I think it would have been a lot harder. So I, I you know what I mean? Like I feel it for would the... It would have been harder, but I think yeah. at least personally I would have put myself out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I would have hidden this a little bit more. I was yeah. extremely introverted, just a student and like obsessed, but in yeah. the shadows, you know, just doing my thing and... Yeah, Certainly yeah. not uh, trying to be out there. Yeah. In fact, I never tried to be the out, out there. Like other people did it for me. Yeah. They totally built the school. They put me online. They did all that. And I was like, oh, whatever. What? What's <laughs> YouTube? I didn't even know what it was. I know. I've yeah. seen you try to use even the most basic of Even machines. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the computer. <laughs> it's a good job you have a wife who can sort all that. Yeah. I mean. She keeps me alive. It's, yeah. it's the same... Uh, I mean, here's an interesting thing. I don't, know if, I don't know if people want us to talk about this because it's probably only relevant to people who are running schools and things. But one of the things I think is really funny is everybody has the same when they have a school, right? They have a website, social media, and their school, their classes or whatever. And then you write things on social media. But if those things become accessible, then you get accused of excessive marketing or... Yeah, you're, you're all you, about promotion. You're all about promotion. All about yeah, but the only difference, but they do the same things. Yeah, but nobody watches them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there's like I think of some of the critics I have, <laughs> and I'm sure it's similar with yours. And they're like, I'm more authentic because I have one student. <laughs> yeah. <that's it>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which could be true actually. I mean, you think I, my teacher has very few students. Yeah. But I don't think it's. I don't think it's. You I know, a correlation is not causation. Exactly. Yeah.
yeah, it's a very, very different thing. <laughs> That's awesome. So here's a funny thing I noticed. I'll tell you a, a, a little short story, and uh, I'm sure you can rant on it. <laughs> I'll create a soapbox for you, if you want. Not very good on the soapbox, we'll see how it goes. All right, well, it's obviously with alchemical texts, which I know you're familiar with as well, I know you have an interest in the sort of Taoist alchemy uh, texts as well, is that very much when they talk, it's about uh, kind of poetical things of the lead and the silver and the gold and fire, tigers, dragons, lots of colors and lights and things like that. And they have lots of really descriptive kind of terms to describe how things are. And then what I've seen is, the way I was taught very much is these are figurative for visual, auditory, physical phenomena that are known as positive signs that you're moving in the right direction. The idea being that whenever you train, there's a whole plethora of phenomena that can arise, but most of them are nonsense. So mm -hmm. it seems produced by whatever, yeah. you know. It's just phenomena. Just well, phenomena. No, no, no. So even the recognition that phenomena isn't valid, within the classics, they point to like a path through the phenomena, you know, that one's useful, that one's Something useful. To, you know, there's no path without phenomena. Exactly, yeah. Without the trees on the side, where's the path? So what I see is that those poetry, when I started to look into the wider sort of tradition, by many people are interpreted as instructions. So you are supposed to visualize. Well, now we were talking about before with the imagination. Completely. In, in yeah. the Vajra path, but also in Taoism, like the, oh, the big dipper and the lights coming down into you, yes. something like that. Yes. Uh. Yes. <laughs> the limitations I of such practice, right? I read about that one when I was a teenager or whatever. And the I Big Dipper? Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. That kind of stuff. And Did that. you try it? Have you ever worn silk pajamas? Yes. For training, I mean. No. Oh, right. Okay. For <laughs> 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 sleeping. <laughs> yeah. But I just laughed. I okay. laughed. Mm. And my mum laughed. And we all had a laugh. The same. Yeah, the same. I remember being <laughs> in the Japanese arts and looking at what people were doing. And I was really anti-Chinese arts for many, many years. It's because, understandable. Because what I saw was like that. It, it, the martial arts were like, tiger claw, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mantis, blah, blah, like all this. And I was like, mm, that's a bit weird. And then, and on top of that, all of the sort of practice of visualizations people did, stepping in the shape of the seven stars to summon the deities and all that mm. kind of stuff. And it really put me off. And then eventually when I accidentally stumbled into the Chinese arts because of meeting a teacher, yeah. uh, Shen, who could yeah. do such things and that, Experience. I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand how people are happy doing that. What do you think? How can yeah, you? Okay. Would you be happy? Right. No, no. Would you be happy imagining a tiger on one side no. and a turtle on the other, phoenix behind you or in front of you? I think all such practices that are exclusively evolved in the strata of mind. Okay. Not yeah. consciousness. Yeah. Not chi. Not body. Right. Mind stuff. <laughs> ah, well, you're a Buddhist. You're not going to like that. Yeah, and mind stuff is the least stable, the least stable, yeah. the most bullshit part of the experience. Yes. And you're better off identifying yeah. with the body than the mind stuff. Yeah. At least and it's got a tangible reality yeah. to it, right? The mind yeah. stuff arises and falls away. It's bullshit. Yes. So if it is maya, it is delusion, it is, you know. So, okay, let's say your whole practice is based on that. Yeah. I mean, that should be a no-brainer. I would have thought so. Yeah. I would have thought so, yeah. The part of you that 
matters least. The yeah. part of you that's least stable, the part of you that's in flux, the part of you that's not you, that's not stable, that has no reality. Yes. Yes, doing certain practices can affect that part of you, but not the other parts of you. That's a nice way of describing it. That's a good way of explaining it. That's actually a very diplomatic way of explaining it, too. I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, if... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a... It's, it's been the hardest thing for me. Like, you know, there's certain things that are a hard sell. Hard sell is a funny word when you teach, or the big arguments that I have with people, or the big disagreements... The controversial... Is the, is the visualization, right? That's a big one. Idea. I'm sure you've had similar things. It's visualization, it's sex practice, it's this oh kind God. of stuff. Yeah, we'll get that Let's down the visualization. <laughs> so, the argument that I get from many people is they believe that when you're forming these shapes, you're forming only the yi, right? Within the, the yi, the yi. And this is then leading and generating the movement of chi. And then often what they do is they equate this with the scientific studies of people that imagine shooting hoops. Basketball. And then they score more hoops in the next game or something. I mean, if they equate it with that, it means they have no experience in internal practice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, completely. They're not related. So I already know what your answer to this is anyway, but it's just interesting, I think, to discuss this. If that doesn't generate the chi, how does the yi generate the chi, in your opinion? And if the yi doesn't generate the chi, how do you generate the chi? Well, I think it does partially generate the chi, and it more importantly helps you access mm. the chi. Everyone has some chi, otherwise you're dead. I would hope so. Yeah, but yeah. then of course there's the chi of practice on top of that and everything else. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the we we talk about this. I think you talk about yeah. the same thing: the mind fluid saturating the body. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I usually describe it as ink in blotting paper. Okay, that's very artistic. I talk about. Water soaking into a sponge. That's the same Yours idea. Yours is a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah. So if you can't do that, you can't access the chi. You can't yeah. build chi at a fundamental basic level. You can't do internal arts. Yeah. And so learning in my system, many, many years in the beginning are almost exclusively dedicated to learning how to do that to a very profound degree. To soak in the mind into the body. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Yeah. At sure. a nano level. Yes. Through the... Not... So globally and granularly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they do that for many years. And I think if you can't do that well, you can't access slash build chi. Yeah. So you have to be able to do that, and it has to be balanced by a modicum of stillness. Yeah. So uh, you have to be doing it in a state of stillness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the first step for internal arts. I agree. Any of them. 100%. And I guess if you had to precursor something before it, it would be to open the body so the mind fluid could even get into the body in the first place, right? I think they're not before and after, but yeah. I mean, I think they're more like... Parallel. One step of opening. Yeah. So you open more, it allows the mind to penetrate more, sure. which gives you more access to open more. You open yeah, more and yeah. more. It's sort of that, like a yeah. ladder going, alternating and... They're both endless, as far as I can tell. I mean, I've been opening for so long, and I, right? <laughs> well, we've just done another month of opening. Yeah, and I mean, that's it. Completely... You know, where's the end of these things? Yes. And what does it really mean to be absorbed into the body and open? At yes. what level? I mean, basically, like, the, the muscular system's open, the fascia's open, you know, the basic channels are open, the deeper channels are open, and, you know, not even worrying about consciousness and... Causal body. Spiritual stuff, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah it's a similar process within... Uh, Opening and sinking is what I talk about in Tai Chi. 
Okay. And yeah. part of that's sinking into the body, the saturating. Yep. And opening. So those two are the primary causes. Sure. And it goes further, but if you don't have them down, it's, it's a dead-end path. So yeah. if you imagine, yes. right, that means you're fabricating something that's not real, you're, you're not saturating, you're, your mental fluid is doing something else. Yeah, It's completely. dissipating, it's dispersing, it's, and that's why those people that do that all get real skinny and weird and sort of parched. Dry, yeah, dried up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see people when they've developed the chi because they don't look like that. Yep, I described them as the vacuum packed people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it, I mean, it's it should be basic, it's the fundamentals of the practice, I think. And I think any real system does that, yeah. That was really interesting when I met you, was how few we had a few differences in the way we do things, uh. And, but there was very few major clashes. Well, even the, the differences are trying to do, achieve the same thing through a different route. Yeah, the yeah. core things were always the same, right? The yeah. core causes or the core uh, methods or whatever had their kind of similar processes. And I, the thing for me within something like Nagong is that the inside, the flesh doesn't come alive until the mind is inside the body. No, but it literally is dead flesh. Completely, yeah. And people can't articulate that flesh. Yeah. So when somebody is saturated the body, they can move in a profound way where the ripples move through yep. the body. And leverage okay, is they've, gone. They've got the chi. Level what? Leverage is gone. Like oh, they're way past leverage, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. they're in the small parts. They're in the cavities, the little cavities, let's say. And so I think that's sort of, oh, you've, you're inside the door. And that to me is where the chi is produced, right? I think that's a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, so when the mind is in and then the tissue comes alive, then there is a chi production factory within the body. And mm -hmm. then everything after that is how to take that chi and do whatever you want to do with it. Draw it into the Dantian or send it out to limbs or whatever it is people are doing within their tradition. I often say that the interaction between mind and body produces chi. Yeah, completely. And that's, that's uh, pointing at the same thing, I guess. Yeah. You're not imagining it in and out of the trees or from the Big Dipper or whatever. Yeah. Chi is produced in the body. Yeah. There are other energies like Shakti or whatever, but... Chi is produced in the body, for sure. I'm not saying there's not chi outside that you can affect. There is. But if you can't even produce and access it in your own body, forget about that. Yeah, yeah. No chance, right? And the more chi is produced inside the body, the more it draws from outside anyway. You're like trying to absorb it from... Chi attracts chi. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. To stand there and try to absorb it from the seven star dipper. Well, they are absorbing it in the mind strata. <laughs> yeah, the one that... <laughs> Stop doing it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, completely, yeah. So this is the sort of misunderstanding that our chi is just a process, chi is just mm. a feeling, it's just the nervous system. They, they don't realize it's actually a substance. Yes. Yeah. I, I... Now I have to make a confession. Okay. When I started, I thought it was a substance, and then I got indoctrinated by people that it wasn't. Okay. For a little while, and then I realized again it was a substance. I there think was... I went through a similar process as well, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think that happens, Yeah. 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 To me, that I think part of the problem is with me as well. Like the way I explain it to people that I teach is that chi can be different thicknesses. Definitely. So the chi, when it's very thin, what you do is you feel it in the sort of peripheral nerves and on the sense mm -hmm. surface of the skin. So what it feels like is like say ants running. On like the, the skin very or, first or, week of training feeling. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! I've got the ants crawling. <laughs> exactly. Like that took one hour. Or the bubble. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they stick with that, right? They're, they're useful at the yeah. very first week. But if you get stuck with it, you will assume that now the chi is your nervous system. I mean, it's just nowhere near enough. It's just, actually what they're doing is helping you get inside your body. Yeah. 
because the easiest way to access the body is sensation, right? Yes. So they give people into the sensation, and that some baby steps are necessary for babies. It's good. Yeah, yeah. but it's just like still flesh. Yeah, still dead flesh. Because it has to thicken enough that it can soak into the tissues, right? Which to me was the basis of the that the cheek. Oh, talking about controversial. Is the Egypt controversial? Well, I mean, everyone thinks it's a stretching yoga set. Oh, right. done by people wearing the orange robes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a fancy Taoist blue robed version right. as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, the Chinese. I think it's uh, a set. Yeah, the Chinese sports science government authority. They probably it. invented it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they did. They created it in about the sort of 1970s or 80s. It's like, like silk reeling and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 modern creations. Yeah. yeah, I forget that that's controversial because the Yijin Jing to me is that. It's the soaking of the mind into the tissues and the thickening of the qi till the flesh comes alive so that the qi is produced in the factories of the body, meaning that the, at least the earlier stage of the channels can start to open. But in order for yeah. that to happen, you have to have fluid, right? It's about opening the channels. Yeah. You have to have a substance. You need qi. You need qi, yeah. Yes. And you know, people think, oh, that's Shaolin, that's not Tai Chi, that's not Taoist. Uh, it's fundamental in all the internal arts. Yeah, completely. It, yeah. It's because it's not a set. It's like a, a piece of the, the path of practice. Yes. A necessary one. And I think that those externalized sets that people create that are based on something, generally as far as I can see, they're stretching. They're kind of opening yeah. exercises yeah. as far as I can see. Which opening is incredibly important for what we're talking about. Yes. I don't think it's... Wrong. It's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not telling me the secrets. When are you going to teach me how to fight? <laughs> sure. I'm trained trying to change you into something that when they move, the jinn happens. Yeah, yeah. When they do anything, the chi is mobilized. Like you change who you are via saturating, developing certain mental qualities, and definitely tra transforming the body. Yeah. Doing the Yijin Jin. <laughs> And this is, that's really interesting because that there is really the core of what Fajin is about on a kind of deeper level beyond fighting, isn't it really? That what you have is a, a way of expressing a kind of the, how good is your mental It shows a level of transformation. Completely. Yeah, yeah. So you know why I, what started all the hate, why everyone hates me? It's why? because I said... I think it's because they can't pronounce your name. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Misner, Misner. Misner, Mr. Misner. I yeah. said, and I... I used to call you Mr. Misner. Oh, I didn't know it was Misner. Who knows? Yeah. In Germany, they'd probably say it like that. But. Okay. So, and I still say that Fajin is entry-level skill. Yeah. It's I don't not, mean first skill, but you're inside. It, it means you're inside. In people's defense, it's not a very accessible entry-level skill, though. No, but there's a lot of work to do before you get to the door. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So if, yeah. if you can do it, you're in turn. Yep. If you can't do it, you're not in turn. Basically, something that transformation into getting there. And yes, I'll find you in like, it's not about using it for this or that. It means you have internal skills. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, a lot of the internal skills, a lot of the ones we work on when we're together, are invisible to the outside world. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What, just take my word for it? Exactly. You have to have something that is observable. So many times I heard that when I asked teachers all through Asia and also through the West. I wouldn't ask them this directly. No, of course. Rude. It's, it's you know, culture like, too. After a while, I get to know them. Can I see something? And they would simply say, it's all internal. 
Well, that means they don't have it. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I came to learn. I didn't know that at first. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I'm just, I don't have the discernment. I'm too crude. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, I'm just a gay man. But yeah, I came to realize. Well, yeah. that, the way people think that mm -hmm. is, it's like their little backdoor exit. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point of an internal transformation if it's not manifest to some degree, even not perfectly in the, the realm of the, like the physical, you know what I mean? Like it has, because they all are anyway. You have to transform physically. Yeah. I mean, even the most spiritual. Yes. Meaning subtle. Yeah. Like, I mean, if there's an art that's not about the physical transformation and not about the showing the powers, it's Buddhism, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. But they still achieve the crystal bones. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are pretty achievable states. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I can't kind of observe something, I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe you. Yep. I just don't believe you. Which but is funny enough. You're this. a good talker. Okay. You're charismatic. Okay. You know the text. Okay. Irrelevant. Yeah. Right? Show me. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting that there's, I always had a problem with the people, I was never taken in by the nice words. Now I grew up around Glastonbury mm. in the UK, which is similar to Ubud. Uh, Copanyan or Spain and everything. Else. I always grew up in hippie areas, yeah. right? And so I, I was surrounded by people with the nice words, you know, the nice language. It's the opposite of my upbringing, but yeah. Well, yeah, you were out in convict land, weren't you? Yeah, and it really is, even amongst Australia, where I am from, is the most sort right, of like okay. gangstery and rough and violent, and just oh, okay. not, there's no spiritual scene at all. But in Australia at all? Or just no, where, in you were where from? I okay, right. from? It was. Because the. Byron Bay is your hippie. Yeah, area, but that's a okay. few hours from me. Right, okay. There was down there, but yeah. Yeah, so I grew up around all these people with all these words, and I very quickly saw through it because one thing I realized is the people that were in those kind of subjects kind of had that way of speaking before they even got into the art. Do you know what I mean? Read got a book, got the words, so I'm done. Completely. It's like the amount of people that do yoga that are already flexible and thin anyway. It's, it you becomes, go to the class and you're, it's full of beautiful, slender, yeah. flexible women starting yoga. Completely. So it, <laughs> it's hardly a sign of attainment no. to be that way anyway, right? So the language and the words always seem like a, an odd thing to me because if you meet an internal teacher who knows what they're doing, there should be a field of influence around I them, agree, right? absolutely. Yeah. Based upon that? Yes. Should be disorientating. Yeah, was the word I would. No, it, it affects you for real. Yeah, and if it doesn't, they don't have the juice. Completely. Yeah, and no. they have fancy talk, and they talk about this and stories about the past, and they say wise and compassionate words. So what? They have tea ceremonies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they sit perfectly, or whatever. I sit perfectly, and I speak slowly, <laughs> and I sound profound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have beads, and I only eat mung beans. You know, I tried that for one course. I did a workshop once and I decided that's how I would be. I lasted like half an hour and I just You're started tired. laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't sustain it. I couldn't sustain it. People could I, see through my Pretending rubbish. it would be tiring. That's a major thing, right? So when back to teaching as a subject, I'd be interested to get your take on this. One thing I was always told by, you know, you always get advisors, people around me especially because I was quite young when I started teaching. Too young. Same as me. Shouldn't have been teaching, to be perfectly Same honest. Yeah. It caused all kinds of problems. I was always younger than every student. It was weird. It made me feel weird. Yeah. yeah. Youngest guy in the Tai Chi class, right? Yeah. yeah. Pushing hands with Ethel or <laughs> whatever. But it's, I always used to get advice about, like, you must be this way, you must be that way, you must have boundaries, you must be aloof, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't sustain anything. Oh, like, you must act like a master, something Completely. like that. Yeah. 
I know we'd always go to bars yeah. this. And I must... no. <laughs> Completely, yeah. I'd rather drink whiskey and smoke a cigar. Talking of which, pour some more whiskey. So I've never been a whiskey drinker, but this is growing on me. My experience is that all the things I thought I didn't like in yeah. life were things I hadn't had a good one yet. <laughs> you mean the bottles of Jack Daniels I've been working my way through, <laughs> haven't been doing it? Yeah. The problem is if you're pretending it will affect you at a deep level and it will screw you up. Yeah. You have to be authentic, sincere, and you know, have integrity. Right? Integrity is being authentic to yourself. Yes. And I think if you, if you screw up there, that's the end. Well, I've seen people that almost went into, I think I would say, mental illness or certainly mental fabrication of their world because they weren't honest with who they were. I've seen people totally break, for sure. Yeah. It's dangerous. Anytime you're spending any time taking your mind, which I think is supposed to be out there, that's the natural thing for your mind, isn't it? You're supposed to be thinking, looking, hearing, interacting with the world, and then you're putting it inside for long periods of time. I don't think that's natural. Well, none of the, uh, nothing about these arts is natural. No, I agree. They are the opposite of yeah. natural. The Buddha calls it swimming against the stream. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny. The Taoist story is this fish that swims against the stream and right. turns into the dragon, right? They took it from the Buddha. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But they, the, uh, yeah, that idea, like, as soon as you take that and then you put it inside, I think it is risky. I don't think it's risky oh, it in like a you'll have a heart attack kind of thing. Well, that can happen too. <laughs> That's global warming. <laughs> but I think there is, there's a risk of that loss of sense of reality is quite... I've seen it happen. I've seen people go from relatively okay yes. to a broken person. Uh -huh. And not once. Many times. That's Sweet. why I'm anti-imagination. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's not just because I don't have one. It's <laughs> in the end, you don't know. Yeah. anymore, what you fabricated, what you didn't fabricate, and then you believe your own mm. bullshit, and you're a broken person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really sad, but it happens. And maybe they were sincere in the beginning. Yep. But the wrong method corrupted their mind, and it perpetuates out into the body, and they become sick as well, physically. Yeah. But the spirit also gets corrupted. It's just all bad. Yeah. It's yeah. all bad. Yeah, it's it's... I mean, I've recently, I just had another podcast recently with somebody, and it turned out that I started talking a lot. They questioned me about visualization and imagination, and sure. I was kind of critical of it. And maybe it's going to come across the wrong way, but I've seen it yes. break people yeah. more than once. You have to be real. Yeah. And you have to be normal first. Yep. Uh, that's key. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's stop there. That's a phrase that I've heard you say, and also it's one of those phrases that to me has been a parallel with something I've said to people as a well. A lot of the things we've talked about, and they're almost like, what? I know, it's yeah. It's the same thing. The same kind of terminology come yeah. up. It's, I've said to people, you have to achieve a certain degree normalcy. of normality or normalcy yeah, yeah. before you can aim for above normal, like I'm super like, normal or whatever Can you, you want keep to. a girlfriend? Can you keep a job? <laughs> yes. Like, how's your emotional life? How's your sex life? How about... Sila and normalcy, functioning as an adult. How about yeah, that? Sure. If you can't do that, forget about spirituality. And for a lot of people, that's their challenge for this life. Yeah. It is. Some and people... It's a big challenge for some people. Well, a lot of the po population, that's yes. what they need to do. Yeah. That's what religion's for. Or the alternative, you can also see now on social media, who are the people that are most popular? To me, it's the people that are talking about how to 
be normal. How to how achieve to, normalcy. How to live, yeah, yeah. yeah. The and advice I think like it's good. Jordan Peterson, people it, like that. I mean, it's like, wow, he's a genius. It's like, uh, okay. He's telling you I like things. him. It's cool. It's logical. It's basic logic. I agree. You have achieved basic logic and it's profound it's because we're in the Kali Yuga. Should have been told as a <laughs> child growing up, right? Where was your daddy? Yeah, so totally, yeah. basic normalcy is, a, is profound in this time. Yes. But I think that's what people need. And I often think, you know, you don't need to do this art. Why don't you yeah, 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 yeah. go away? I get that with a lot of the younger ones in the school that want to, you know, they talk to you and you can tell they want to be a monk. They want to be a renunciate. They well, they're running away from their broken experience of life. Yeah, totally. I tell them, go run a business first. Go get a job. Go be successful. Go have a life. Go fuck up a few times. Experience life. And then come back and then, then do this. In the meantime, run this alongside your life, but not instead of. Because that level of normalcy must be yeah. achieved. Yeah, that normality. I've seen that people that are skilled... Yeah, in, I'm not talking about masters because when we talk about masters, we're both talking about the same thing. Mm. There are hardly any in the world. Let's come back to that in a minute and but, define those. Okay, but first, yeah. just people that are skilled, mm -hmm. not a master, mm -hmm. journeyman, mm -hmm. not a beginner. Yep. Also can do life very well. Yeah. Whatever yep. they do, they do well. Yeah. They have functional relationships. They're not struggling to exist mm. you know they can they can do life because yes that's the basic foundation yep and all of the great religions have some form of sila the commandments something mm. like that the basic foundation for the masses which is something i think is missing in the modern sort of secular yes government worshiping satanic <laughs> yeah broken culture yes that has thrown away traditional morals and stuff like that and responsibilities that when you try to live up to the responsibilities, you achieve normalcy. Yes. And because they haven't achieved normalcy, if they do spiritual work, it just makes them broken. And here's a funny thing. It's out of all of the... I know that there's a backlash towards traditional norms or traditional values at the moment. Certainly not from me. No, certainly not from yourself. But I think it's safe to say the norm in society yeah. is to push back against that. We're in a sort of, sort of post-traditional age where we yeah. sort of critique everything, yeah. right? And I think the education systems teach you to critique, and I think that's kind of passed through. Now, the funny thing is I see is out of all of the scenes that are going against traditional values, martial arts should be the last scene to go against traditional values because it's a traditional art. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that is strange. It has gone against traditional values. Martial, martial arts has become uh, sport fighting. Well, but it's become, but it's yeah. not what it should be, right? No. Sport if you're fighting a traditional is not martial artist, you should follow traditional... Yeah. Ideals, right? Yes. That's what was logical to me. Yes. So I am confused by the way that it's become. It's almost become very, I guess the hippie scene kind of mixed in with it a little bit, didn't it? It all it started became, in the 60s and it's perpetuated out. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't ever have those kind of teachers. So all of the teachers no, I have I've never had one quite like traditional. Same. Yeah. yeah. Because people that achieve are like that. <laughs> <laughs> they have normalcy, yeah. Well, it's yeah. the base. It's mm -hmm. the base. And it's arrogant to think everyone for thousands of years and all of the great masters and the, the heads of the great religions and all the great thinkers and all of them were wrong, but I know better. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. a profound level of arrogance yes. and self-importance. Yep. But that's the standard view now. Well, you are trained to critique everything. So even at university... When you're not you're allowed to critique that which they're, they're propagating. 
No, that's very true. But you're supposed to critique the great classics and the great writings, say you do a degree on history. Or I, I think that was true once upon a time. Yeah. And I think that's fine. Mm. It's learning how to think, right? Yeah, sure. But now that's not what they do. You mean they, it's to rebel? or? Well, now they just get taught a new version of propaganda. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. And they don't even look at those old things anymore. <laughs> They're banned. Burn the books. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm not anti-critique at all. Yeah. The problem is to think that you know better. Yeah, okay. You don't. You can't even keep a girlfriend, <laughs> keep a job, you know, like feed yourself, take care of your family. You can't even function as an adult. And you're critiquing, critiquing and thinking that you are sort of elevated into some position to criticize the greatest minds yeah, sure. in recorded history. Because everybody has an opinion. And everyone's opinion is equal. Sure. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah <laughs> well, I don't think everyone's opinion is equal that's why I don't care about all the hate that's what I was worried about speaking about like do we go down that route no, I mean that's I the mean, thing that's the greatest thing not. about the internet is everyone has an opinion but the worst thing about the internet is everyone has an opinion right the, the stupidity is to think that they're all valid yeah they're not valid mm -hmm. if you can do you're allowed to have an opinion on that subject it's like I wouldn't have an opinion on motor mechanics. Well, you go in and tell them what to do and yeah, you'd sure. be insane. Yeah. They'd go, you're insane. Mm -hmm. Get out of the shop. Let me do my job, right? So why doesn't that happen in other fields? No. And I don't understand how in the internal arts as well that there's, you know, we're all striped or everyone's working towards achieving this particular thing and yet when someone achieves it, it's considered wrong. It's like a sustaining of the mediocrity of the materialism of the kind of art I don't get it because if I my nature is when I find somebody that I admire or does yes. something that I want yes I want to know them I want to be around them I want to be like them I yeah I, well like rich people do they surround themselves with other rich people right they don't surround themselves with Brokies. <laughs> no brokies. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a phrase that's becoming quite popular these days. But they surround themselves with people of a, a similar mindset. And da, da, da. If you want to get good at something, yeah. go to somebody that's good at it. It's that's not rocket science. step one. Yeah. Now, if you want to learn the piano, mm -hmm. you go to somebody that's good at the piano. You observe, does this person that's good at the piano make other people good at the piano? If yes, you do what they tell you. Yes. There's three steps. Are they good at it? Do they make people good at it? Do what they tell you. <laughs> right? So yep. that's for something external, easy to see, easy to perceive, material. Sure. Now, the internal arts, often immaterial, hard sure. to perceive, difficult to see, hard to understand. All the more reason to follow those principles. Sure. But instead, they go, oh, the internal arts, hard to see, hard to perceive, I'm not going to follow these principles. <laughs> Why am I not getting it? What yeah. could it be? Yeah. I can work it out. And not only that, is I will go against what the stories of the people that used to be able to do it in the past used to do. That is weird. So I mean, it's not even not following. It's actually completely going against what is stated. Go against it. Just don't say that you're part of that art. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You tai Chi people that don't believe in Fajin or like any of the Tai Chi skills. Qigong people that don't believe in qi. <laughs> Chinese medicine people that don't believe in qi. 
It's universal across the UK universities, from what I've heard. Um, I shouldn't say universal. There's probably one university listening really annoyed because they're yeah, the exception. Yeah, it's most. Most. That are told that chi is a metaphor and it doesn't exist on day one of their acupuncture training. Well, or no wonder they day. suck. Yes. Because I've been to many and I am just like, whoa. Acupuncturist, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was like, this is shit. Yeah, they For just put needles in your body. Like an ear piercer. It was many years <laughs> before I met people that could really do it. Yeah, sure. It's just like, wow. I don't blame you for thinking it's pretend. Yep. If that's the only experience, once again, your experience forms your views. Sure. But what, it's not that. You need internal skill. I can see why it would be disappear, though. If you're turning something into a three-year degree or a five-year degree in America, how would you guarantee the cultivation of chi for people? It takes three years to, to access it? your chi. Completely. Yeah. So it would be kind of impossible. It would be very, very difficult. Yeah. And Chinese medicine, uh, you know, running a Chinese medicine college, it is, it is a challenge like that. And there's almost like another hurdle you have to get over where people have come in often from education from other Chinese medicine places. Nerds. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to start again. You of have to say, no, 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 this is a real actual yeah. substance that yeah. we're trying to work with and develop. But on top of that, more than that, as a practitioner, you have to have qi. Absolutely. No, the same as a Tai Chi teacher has to have some chi, and the Qigong teacher has to have some chi. A tattooist has to have some tattoos, or it's weird, you know. The, the Chinese yeah, medicine practitioner something. has to have some chi, has to have a robustness and ability to move and mobilize that energy out of the body in order to treat the patient, right? I agree, and yet no, half, at least half, let's say 98% yep. of the ones I meet, yep. robust is not the word I would use. No. no Weak. That's strange, huh? Weak, uh, yeah. neurotic, yeah. Uh, sick. Yes. Unable to endure the experience of existence. Mm. Yep. That's the base, isn't it? You have to, yeah, and it's back to that idea of you have to have the same, the skills for life that you would for the art. And that's the story of Buddha, isn't it? When he comes, when he meets the fortune teller or whatever. Is, or Wait, the, you mean when they tell the story about he's a baby and stuff, yeah. he's going to be the great king, the monarch of the world, yep. or the great sage? Same Gee, what's that telling you? I don't understand how people can't understand that story. It's saying the same qualities are needed to be the world leader as it is to be a great, profound, spiritual the signs of a great man, right? master, which yeah. means Joe Biden could be a highly <laughs> profound meditator if he just had the right teachers. That's what that means. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> There's plenty of images of Donald Trump as a Buddha. Yeah, it's amazing that statue. Have you seen it? The one where he's like sitting there I as a monk. You one. Well, where is it? It's it's in England actually. <laughs> I you one. I just got a mouthful of water. <laughs> mm. So, how does it feel to be a soulless Buddhist? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good. <laughs> Tell me, like, you know, yeah, that, you know, uh, because you you are to me a miserable Buddhist. <laughs> so. Because I think Buddhists are quite miserable. They're miserable, general. I agree. They are miserable, right? It's like deviant Taoist miserable just Buddhists. We are deviant. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Or clinging, I think, is the word you used for me before in the past. <laughs> Not for you, for Taoists. <laughs> so why, what's going on? Like, to me... A misunderstanding of the teaching. Yeah, so the question is, if people don't know what I'm teasing you about or joking about, is to me the soul is all important in these arts. Of course. Why don't you have a soul if you're a Buddhist? You do. Please explain away. Because I have had this, I have had this discussion with Buddhists 
because you know people come into the school and the Buddhists I've had this discussion with and the hardest concept for the concept for them to accept other than chi is a soul you mean dried up nerds <laughs> people that don't really like do any work that they read heaps of scriptures though the vacuum packed Buddhists yeah the vacuum packed dried up yeah, yeah so okay. come on why are you a soulless Buddhist explain okay. it to me anatta right anatta yep yep not self yep primary teaching of the Buddha which is what they would I guess most Buddhists would say indicates that there is no thing that is eternal that carries on right I guess they can't read okay yeah so please please well you know in Facebook how people read your comment and they say a billion things that have nothing to do with what you said about 70 percent of the time yeah well that's yeah. how they read the scriptures so okay it's that okay yeah. so the Buddha went to great pains to list okay all these things that are not Atman okay not the soul yeah just that should be enough for any thinking man sure sure realize. sure if he was just saying there was no soul he would have just said there is no soul okay instead sure. there's a list of things that are not the soul right okay body is not soul. yeah right? yeah sensations are not soul. sure perceptions yeah are not soul. mental fabrications are not soul. sense consciousness is not soul. sure okay the standard yeah which is a big piece of the Buddhist teachings sure, sure sure a huge piece chanted every morning and every night and huge so if there was no soul, why would you break it down yeah completely yeah. like that so I mean that's the no-brainer as far as I'm concerned and how come they can't see often the clash between the idea of rebirth and no soul yeah they have all kinds of intellectual like masturbation ways to Oh, do they? Yeah, Can you explain some of the, the, the to me, because I don't really know, yeah. like, what is some of the common ways people would yeah, discuss yeah. this? Because, as you know, I have a Buddhist teacher, yeah. but he talks about the soul incessantly. Like, it, that is the, the core of fundamental thing of what he does. Because it, the core of spirituality is spirit and soul. Completely, yes. Yeah. I don't care what tradition you're from. Yes. Different ways to get there, but that is what attainment is. Yes. It's about Christian... Buddhist. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Same thing. Okay. It's about spirit and soul. Right? So in Buddhism, the Buddha, in my opinion, is the greatest teacher of our sure, yeah. slow, detailed, mm -hmm. exceptional teacher. I'm not talking about levels of attainment or anything. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just a talented teacher. So he's describing all the things, the, the mistakes. Like me, he teaches in the negative. I like teaching in the negative. He taught in the negative. It's not sure, this, sure. it's not that, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. Yeah. Because to say what it is gives people a chance to fabricate, to imagine. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often this most skillful way to teach something is to stay what it's not. Stay, steer away from this. Go forward. It's very much like Sherlock Holmes, strangely. I think true. it's the right way to realize yeah. truth rather than have a painted on truth mm. from the lineage. Right? So the Buddha yes. says the khandas or the skandhas are not self. Okay. Yep. That is an undeniable fact. He also says what is nibbana? Nibbana is the purified jitta. Yep. Right? Could you describe jitta for people? Jitta uh, is so. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, sorry. I kind of ruined that. Okay, I get what you mean. Yeah, sure. So I guess the Hindus would call it consciousness. Sure. Would be the translation. The way we view things, it would be closer to soul. Right, okay, yeah. sure, yes. 
And then there's also the yana, the consciousness. Okay. So when you purify the soul, that's nibbana. Sure. I mean, this, this is in the text. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's why I was interested to have you describe it, because obviously my core tradition that I know the most closely would be Taoism, to which the soul is a very important part mm -hmm. of what they were doing. They had strange ideas about the soul from my point of view. It's sort of pieces of the spirit and all this kind of stuff, right? Well, actually, that's a lot of that's from Chinese medicine. Right. So actually, it's not so literal. It's a concept to try to help to explain how the soul carries out its various functions in this world, Definitely. actually. It's not the actual... Yeah, within alchemy, they actually, it's different. Yeah. Like within the spiritual tradition, it's a consolidated yeah. thing. So yeah. it's a little different. But it, it, that's, I mean, there's an issue there as well that I think a lot of the blanks have been filled in in Chinese arts with Chinese medicine. They did it in Tai Chi, which is a disaster. Completely, which yeah. to me, they are separate things, yeah. right? Like they're, they're different they, they things. Yeah. Chinese medicine is the study of sickness and the other things are the study of cultivation. And I know people say Chinese medicine is the study of health, but it's not. It's the no, study of No, you have sickness. to achieve normalcy, yes. a.k.a health and yes. other things, yep. then you go into cultivation. Completely. Yeah, yeah. So the Buddha also says that there is a consciousness that is not bound up with the senses. Okay. So oh, is that, that's a direct statement that's said in Buddhism? It's in the canon. Right, okay. Yeah. In the yeah. traditional Pali canon. When I say the Buddha says, it means in the Pali canon, the historical canon, that all of the Mahayana and Vajrayana agree this is what okay. the historical Buddha said. Yes. So there is the spirit yes. and there is the soul. Okay. However, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And people that hate Christianity. That's very interesting. Yeah. Translate it. Yeah. Because they're oh, my bad tradition. The other side of the hill is always greener. Yeah. Stupid. They don't realize Christianity is beautiful and extremely potent, and yes. they just can't see it because they're teenagers, basically. Yeah. And yep. It's that. So yes, of course. I mean, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, that's an interesting and, idea. I mean, it's like there's also chi or prana is huge. If you're not cultivating the soul or connection to the soul or, or whatever, you know, yeah. your connection to the soul, what are you cultivating would be my question for people that are trying to go into some kind of spiritual line or spiritual cultivation because ultimately the other thing would be just to aim for complete eradication. Well, which, I think there's spirit. Well, soul. okay, sure. But I think they've got to be done sequentially. So even if you could, even if you could realize the non-independent existence of the soul, you can't do that until you found the soul. It's like you can't write about what you can't do. Self, first, <laughs> sort yeah. of, let's say, first awakening would yes. be called something like self-realization. Yeah. Realizing the soul. Yes. Yeah. In, yeah. in direct yeah. experience, not in theory. Yes. And if you want to go further, that's cool. Then it can go beyond that. But that's sort of like, it's a big deal. It's like you can't see through the illusion of self unless your self is fairly well established. Yes. I think you need a skillful ego. The fabricate itself needs to be skillful. At the same time, you know it's not the true self, not the self yep, spirit, yep. but it needs to be skillful. Yeah, I agree. And that is, so what, do, what is that? That means sila, conduct, restraint. Mm. It means samadhi, mm. right? Yep. And then you have wisdom, insight into what is not <laughs> Atman. Sure. And if you know what is not Atman, Yes. What's left over? Is Atman. Very skillful, very skillful teaching method. Mm. 
However, like all the great traditions, corrupted by dogmatists and politics and uh, people. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I'm like an outcast probably in the Buddhist community because I say this, but I think it's incredibly important. Yeah, I agree, which is why, why I brought it up, is that I think that for cultivators, if I use, you know, you know I have my own definition for that term. Same as me. Yeah. yeah. I would always assume that the soul was kind of central or the kind of orientating point around which all the, the other practices should take place for a very, very long time. I think soul somebody. and spirit. Yes. Yeah. So maybe that's the difference then between, and this is something that sometimes gets me in trouble as well, is the difference between you know, a religion and a cultivation system. And maybe we could look at, what's your opinion? I have my opinion what the difference between those two are. Yeah. And okay. I'm sure you have your own as well. I think religion is the, the cultivation system is the inner core of a yep. tree, the hardwood. Yeah. The religion is the outer bark that protects the cultivation system. Mm. Okay. If yep. you don't have the outer bark, the cultivation system will get lost. Yes. The monks, the dogmatists, the sutras, the scriptures, they carry the cultivation. Sure, sure, sure. sure it's sure. needed. Yeah. It's also the sila, it's the conduct, it's the how to treat your wife, it's the basic function of society. Yep. 100% in my opinion, the great downfall of modern times is to turn away from religion. Yeah. I'm extremely pro-religion. Yes. Religion means devotion, love of God, and the desire to realize the ultimate and religious. Sure. And it also means the, d the desire to achieve yoga, yeah. to reunite. Yes, I'm religious. Do I follow the ritual and do I bang the donger and like chant and do that bang, kind of religion? You've got to bang the gongs. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pro-religion. I think most people should follow religion. I'm extremely mm. positive about religion. That's my definition of religion. So when I say that I'm religious, what I mean is I am intent on achieving on union, union with the creative energy That's or spirit. That's what religion means in English. Yes. What I have no interest in is the gong. <laughs> the gong. Mostly because I've got no rhythm, so it's just embarrassing. Actually. I think you have more than I do. <laughs> I have done a bit of it, actually. When I was in China originally, when I went there, I was exploring what to do. And like many people, I had good teachers, and then I had gaps where I didn't have good teachers. Yeah, yeah how it goes. The bleak searching eras. And I ended up in many of the same places that many others do. White Cloud Temple, Beijing, places like this, yeah, and, yeah. and Wudang, and, and I... The, cos <laughs> yeah, the yeah. cosplay masters. That's the skeleton in my closet, you know? <laughs> but, uh, so I, I tried these things, and I, I got involved in all that kind of stuff for a little bit, and I just very quickly realized that that, to me, wasn't... I understood why other people could get value from it. I think devotion is incredibly powerful. But I think what it gave is belonging. That's all. That's part of it. I would say that. I don't think that's all, but I think it's, a, I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's, but I think if you're a cultivator, I think part of your mission is to get past that. No, no, it's good for the masses. Yeah, completely, yeah. You need tribe. Yeah. People need tribe. Yes. Not the out, not the person on the fringe that we were talking about before, yeah. the cultivator doesn't need tribe, yes. but everyone else needs the tribe. And yes. I think it's a great mistake to criticize Yes. or to take away or to downplay the importance of tribe and unity through belief and all that kind of thing. But I think the cultivator should try to see through that and go deeper. Without destroying towards it. the core. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I got that monkey spirit, you know. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, yeah, I do. Sometimes I think that, I think that at the What's moment. What's right for you is not right for 
that guy over there. Yeah, but at the moment there is a concerted effort to try to pull people into that. It's like there's a no. There's a, um, I think there's a concerted effort to destroy religion. I mean, within the traditions, like especially within Taoism. Part of the reason I've had to make a very pointed thing <laughs> of saying I have to step out of Taoism. I'm not Taoist. Is because yeah, but that I'm not to Buddhist. Me is what it's become. Yeah, completely right. I use Buddhist methods. I use Taoist methods. I use Chan methods. I use sure. Hindu methods. I. I love practice. But I think the cultivators should step out of the traditions as well. Of course. I think all cultivators should step out of the traditions. They don't have to necessarily do it externally. No. You might appear in the tradition, but you're actually not. But can you do it in the Blue Nile God? Can you? That's the question. I think you could do it in the orange robes, but not the blue nylon garb. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the blue nylon garb, you can't sit too close to the fireplace, that's for sure. They're like suits from the 80s. <laughs> Children were dying left, right, and center. So I think Taoism's uh, worse because it's like a lost religion. I agree. Well, so it's it should been. Be religion. No, but neither should Buddhism, really. No. But at least God. But at least Buddhism has a proper lineage and it's been like carried on and it's traditional. Yeah, yeah. Taoism sort of rebuilt and fabricated and modern, yeah. and weird, and I just don't see how yeah. it could become. It's meant to be a cultivation method. Exactly, it couldn't be a religion because it was never based around the idea of a central god. No. So therefore, there was nothing to use that devotional kind of. I know it's a funny use of the word bhakti, but a kind of bhakti energy to unify with that original. That thing that is higher than I agree, know. and I think bhakti is awesome. Yeah. For a certain type. Yep. I think bhakti is incredibly potent, and if I could change <laughs> my type, yeah, I would sure. have more bhakti. If you weren't from the convict island. Yes, I would have more bhakti. <laughs> I wish I did, but I don't. So sure. I have to go the path of cultivation. I think bhakti is incredibly potent. Mm. I'm not anti-bhakti. I'm extremely pro. I think it's a great alchemy. Mm. Transforms all the normal emotion into something spiritual. Exactly, that's it. What you said, emotion. To me, it's the path of emotion, right? Yeah, but for people like you and me, emotion is like you don't deal with emotion. <laughs> emotion is not part of cultivation. It may come as a surprise to you, but bhakti doesn't suit me either. No, <laughs> <laughs> not particularly. But I'm pro. I think it's beautiful. Mm. I'm often envious. Of, uh, and it does generate envy, literal envy. I think uh, it's actually the fastest path for most people. I'm envious of two types. I'm envious of very devotional people, and I'm envious of people that are just happy watching a football match on a Sunday, and then they're content with their life. <laughs> the they don't have to the do... Back, the Bhakti and the Simpleton. <laughs> totally. They don't, they don't have to do any grind, yeah. any effort. If their football team wins, they're happy. But for you and myself, it's grind, day in and day out. I know. Because that's the path of cultivation. Mm. Yes. Which, funnily enough, is the path that the people that are the source of the bhakti traditions mm. tread. It's the key line within the Tao Te Ching to me. Everyone always has their key lines. The, like the Tao the Kambi. The Tao the Kambi. Whatever. The key one to me is embrace the boring. That's it. That's like, that's the, that is the epitome of the cultivational path contained within the Tao Te Ching. Embrace the boring. I can't deny it. <laughs> that's it. And this is, this, is, this is like one of the key pieces of advice that I give to, not, not to most people who come, but the ones that are serious. The real workers. The real workers, as I tell them, you have to learn to defeat boredom. 
you have to get to a stage where boredom does not arise in you anymore. Boredom is like a child tugging at your sleeve asking for sweets. And if you don't give into it, you don't give into it, you don't give it, you embrace the boring, it ends. I always tell them you just have to learn to love it. Yeah. You have to learn to love it. And if you can't do that, just have whiskey after the training and <laughs> reward yourself. So, yeah, I think this is the fundamental problem with Buddhism is the, the, I think what happened honestly is a bunch of anti-Christian mm. people, probably British, <laughs> probably, went to the probably Southeast Asia yep. and they tried to translate the text from a Christian yeah. conditioning and they saw this, this, this is not so, and they're like, mm. yay, I get to rebel, I'm still a teenager at heart, and mm. that's what happened. It's funny, I see that anti-Christian thing moving into the Taoist lines, and that's why Taoism, the religious Taoism, becomes so important to them, because religious Taoism is almost Christianity. They should stick with but Christianity. But it's not Christian. I agree. Christianity, in my opinion, is uniquely powerful in, yeah. term, in, uh, in regards to religion. Mm. for the, the component of, uh, what would you call it, the surrender of the personal will to God. Mm. I think Christianity has it to a profound degree. The humility is profound in Christianity. Mm. I think it's one of the great parts. I really do. I rate Christianity very highly. I'm extremely pro, and mm. I think it's a mistake the way people are mm. anti it. Once you become old enough to not be a choir boy, you're at no risk, and I think Christianity <laughs> is the, has its strengths. The two, the two but yeah, the choir boy and the kids getting arrested, but you know, like the monks with the, <laughs> no, it's no with, the uh, yeah. with the crack or whatever, and the, yeah, totally, yeah. You know, it's the same in every organization. <laughs> the <monks with> the <laughs> <laughs> Which I should say, for those of you who don't know, is a, a, an isolated part of Thailand, wasn't it? It was in Thailand, it was of in course. Thailand. It's not 90%, of, well, it's probably... Close to 90% of monks, maybe, but... I mean, it's the Kali Yuga. <laughs> the two most powerful power spots, whatever you want to call them on Earth, I've ever been to, religious places, temples, one of which was a monastery in Bhutan very recently, actually. No, 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 I should say a temple in Bhutan. It's not a monastery. A temple in Bhutan, uh, super powerful, like knocked you for six, maybe feel sick and nauseous, vomiting. Like the proper spots, too. Yeah. Like a proper... Powerful, man. And the, the only other one I've been to that is anywhere near that strength was the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Israel and um, Jerusalem. Which is based where the Christ... The, I got the name the cave? probably. The, 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 the cave where they put Christ's body prior yeah, right. to his resurrection. Right. And it's the first well, time... Well, so no I, wonder that's a power spot. I mean... It's funny, you go in there and you're supposed to go into... And I went to Jerusalem, which is actually a bit of a dump, which will probably get me in trouble with all kinds of religions now, but it's actually a little bit of a dump. And you go, But you go to Jerusalem. Every holy place is a dump. Completely. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. So you get there and then you're supposed to just sort of get in the cave, get out of the cave, you know, which is they built a church Lock on me top in there. of it. Yeah. But when I got there, there was some kind of like, there was a siren going, we were like there was some kind of bomb scare in Jerusalem. So everybody got out. <laughs> So I had perfect. It yeah, yeah, it was really good. I have a habit of turning up at a place when everyone else is not there. <laughs> Blessed. So I went and uh, got to sit in the resurrection cave or whatever you call it for a it period of time. It would be a very powerful place. After half a an lot hour, of Yinchi. only half an hour was there, not very long. I came out. It was the closest I've ever felt compassion. Yeah, like because the the, blissful the love in Christianity is is it was it's overwhelming, deep. like radiating out of me. Yeah. Five minutes later, it was gone. But for those five minutes, when I came this is what it feels like to be a Bhakti. 
completely. Yeah, it was gone. So I went back in and no, it didn't work again. But it was a very nice experience for five minutes. So I get it. I'm a huge know. fan of oh, Christianity. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. It's, you know, the two places I live, Thailand mm -hmm. and Greece. Mm. The most devout Buddhist and the most devout Christian. Mm. Because I like to be around society based on religion. Yeah. And I like connecting to the power of those traditions. Yes. I think they're incredibly potent. There's a side to everyone's nature that wants recognition for being amazing at something. Sure. I think that's normal. Yeah. So I get it. But there's, I agree. Yeah. But there's a modicum of shame that I have that's kind of overwhelming. It, it, it is, yes. Shame is a funny thing. I'm pro-shame, by the way. Me too. Well, so were most religions. Well, the Buddha uses the word shame massively. Christianity. Yeah, they're really similar, actually. Shame, shame is a, I mean, self-feeling shame. Sh Recognizing your soul. Completely. It's when you're, yeah, it's when the conscience isn't happy because you're moving away from what the soul wants, yeah, right? Yeah. More over towards the mind, which has its greedy yeah. kind of aims. No, I think shame is a healthy quality. <laughs> People are always like, you shouldn't have shame. Oh, it's only when it cripples you to a point that it's... That's guilt. Yeah. The Buddha is really critical of guilt and really pro-shame, which is interesting. Mm. Okay. Like the, your acquaintances and your teachers and your wife and all that. Yes. Like, yes. And people like your close students, they're beyond student level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like loved ones. But then students. Students... No, I feel like I would definitely feel Andy or Curtis or any of those guys would pull me up. They're, they're past student. Maybe a couple of my students would. It's big, you know, yeah. we've been together for a long time. Yeah. There's still a level of the studentness, but they still would call me out. We argue about stuff, they call me out. I have the biggest shamer in my life, which is called the mirror. That does it for me anyway. I'm very good at walking past the mirror and going, you've been a twat lately. That's, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I don't, you know. I don't have that trigger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little less... I have, to be, I have to be able to live with myself and, and I, I think that maybe a lot of people don't have to or they don't like that's not a problem to them or something so they can make these grandiose claims example being for example I don't make do that do I you have to call me out if I ever am like that oh yeah totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll finish a privately bottle of, we'll finish a bottle of whiskey and then I'll it'll all come out <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, I remember uh, uh, um, on Facebook someone wrote um, have you ever used your Tai Chi to defend yourself in a life or death situation? To which I, would well, thought, I don't know what life or death means. But I would have thought hardly anyone answered, right? Yeah. It was like 150 responses. And they were like sort of grown men in their 50s going, yeah, last week I had to use it to stop a mugger who was going to stab me. So I warded it off and then I did a rollback, nearly killed him. And the whole crowd cheered. And then I told you last night how much I've used mine. Yeah. It's not yeah. much. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I fought more, more than most of those guys. You know. Well, you weren't on the thread. I no. didn't see the story. <laughs> yeah, when I read Doubt it, it was, it was, I think for me that moment was I came to realize. I have no shame. And also that the martial art world is a world of fantasists. But it's not, I, you always say this and I always yeah. take it. I think it's a mistake because it's not the martial art world. It's the world. Oh, you're probably true. You're probably right. It's just because you're involved in that world. Everybody Take in a my, look at the Nagong world. Everybody in my world does Nagong or martial arts. Yeah, but, okay, look at the political world. Look at <laughs> yeah, the, sure. It's just the world. So how are, you, how are they not ashamed? You know what I mean? If I typed something like that, yeah, I, did, blah, 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 I would feel ashamed. 
I feel ashamed of myself for typing if that I have story. Shame it. It's pretty devastating. Okay. When I have it, because I don't have it much. I'm kind of sociopathic, but when I have it, it's pretty heavy. Mm. I can't sleep. Like it's, yeah. it's everything. Yeah, same. It becomes my world. I haven't had had that many times. I must admit, I'm pretty conscious about things. Well, that's the job of the conscience, right? Yeah. Jiminy Cricket, to make sure you don't do such things. So now you've been an Ubered. Ubered is month. the land of shame. It's fucked up. I'm happy that I live in a secular, like an isolated version with you because I've honestly <laughs> have never seen more like, wow, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> if I were kind, I would say, which I, I am kind, I would say Ubered is the town of the spiritually enthusiastic. <laughs> That's kind, right? <laughs> enthusiastic <laughs> implies no conscience because when you're enthusiastic, you forget yourself. <laughs> I didn't say it's spiritually achieved, but I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an odd town. For those people listening who don't know what Ubert is, what Ubert is, it's a. Uh, Are call we that? recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, this is, oh, yeah, did you think this was being cut? I thought we were just chatting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a. Uh, Ubert is a town of kind of. Uh, spiritual hippies and people finding themselves that have come here for yoga, yoga I would guess. It's not yoga, it's like yoga parties. Well, modern yoga, modern yoga. No union involved. No union, well, sexual union is involved. <laughs> well, sexual I'm pro, union. but I mean, it's not <laughs> nothing to do with spirituality. No, I mean, it, it's, it is, it, I mean, it, almost every practice that they do comes down to sex in the end from what I can make out. That's what it is. It doesn't matter what they wrap it up on, wrap it up in, like this is the outer trimmings, it comes down to sex. I'm not anti-sex, but it's the basic part of your person. I'm anti-being part of a spiritual tradition. So am I. Right. Because my version of it is, yep. the highest part of you yep. is like you're calling to God. Yep. The lowest part of you is you're calling to procreation, protection, yep. your lower chakra. Fear. Your higher chakra. The Bible. Yeah. If you try to bring your lower chakra up to your higher chakra, yes. You corrupt your higher, you corrupt your spiritual calling. Yes. And so what happens is that the, what was a true intent becomes corrupt. Mm -hmm. You corrupt the best part of you. And I think that's what happens to the gurus. Okay. Including some of the famous ones, huh? Absolutely. And I don't think they mean it. And I don't think mm. they're bad. Or I don't. Mm. I just think it's a mistake. In Chinese, we call it poison fire effect in the heart. Poison fire being the fire that's generated from sexual or base desires that rise up towards the spirit. It's past the heart. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it comes to the consciousness. And mm. the high, I, I think there's like a draw from your spirit soul. Mm -hmm. And there's a draw from your fabricated self-ego, mm -hmm. and there's a draw from your body. Mm -hmm. And when they're in alignment, that's integrity, and that's the path. Yeah, that's an interesting definition, yeah. And every time that you deviate from that alignment, which mm -hmm. we all do, mm -hmm. is a kind of deviation from the path, and it's natural, the path yeah, isn't yeah, straight. Yeah. That's what my tattoo means, by the way. Okay. Like this, right? Mm-hmm. So when you use the lowest part of your being yes. and you try to make it part of the highest part, you corrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only disaster is going to come. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think 
I think that's a good conclusion to our talk, actually. I think I would like to say thank you very much for uh, being on this podcast. Thank you, my friend. Coming out for the month and uh, also for being a great friend. Thank you very much. Likewise. Bless you. Uh, <laughs>